will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, Tom. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? The price is wrong, bitch. go wrong we got to properly test this theory well here's a fun theory you lure me out into the field and then you stab me in the back and that's a theory i don't want to test i never stab anyone in the back that's such a boring form of betrayal okay i've studied almost every moment of your entire life you've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times welcome to critics not cynics the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic and this week i am joined again by leslie uh as we continue our journey not just through the mcu but the mcu shows and uh we are giving you our review of episode two of loki titled the variant uh (laughs) leslie how are you doing i'm good how are you i'm doing all right uh glad it's glad it's the weekend for us as of recording uh gets get a little bit of breather from from the work life uh so and and to talk about loki um yeah so yeah uh not much preamble on this one. I think we should just go ahead and dive into it. So you want to go ahead and lead us off? Okay. So this episode, I think they're establishing that they're going to do these quick little recaps before they do the Marvel logo, which I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. You know, it it can vary how they decide to open the shows. I think they're going to do these, like, quick little how many ever seconds that was, like maybe 20 before it jumped to the Marvel logo. Didn't we get that with, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier? I think we did a little bit, but I don't. I don't really remember. <laughs> okay. And I haven't, like, you know, I obviously haven't gone back and watched any of those, so. Right. To fully remember, but we did the quick little recap. It was a nice little recap too. I thought. Jump to the Marvel logo, and then we're going to a, a Renaissance fair. I know now, that was that was fun. At first, did you realize? Like, did you see people like in regular clothes? Yeah. Or did did you think you were going to be at the Renaissance and then it was the fair? Because at first I was like just looking at the people at the Maypole 
and I wasn't paying attention to the background people, and then it said Wisconsin, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I kind of, like, immediately picked up on the fact that it was going to be, like, a, a Ren Fair. Uh, you know, it's 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 been a while since I've been to one, but I was one of the people who would be in normal clothes at one, because I, I don't have costumes. Uh, but it is it is kind of fun to see, especially, like, 1985. Yeah. Uh, what Oshkosh was. Osh- yeah. So was, is that Oshkosh Bagosh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was a very interesting way to, to open up the episode, especially with uh, the TVA coming in and yeah. they're fully dressed in their like military regalia. And Here. like the woman's like, um, excuse me. Yes. It, it, it kind of reminds me. And I, I don't know if you've, watch big bang theory but there's the episode of big bang theory where like uh sheldon dresses up as spock at the very end of the episode to act like he's <laughs> on another like uh pre-industrial planet yeah so i have a confession to make <laughs> i've done that before full star trek uniform with my um original series tricorder and everything walking around the Ohio Renaissance Festival. <laughs> and I actually ran into a guy who was, he was kind of dressed like Scottish themed, but he still had on like his Starfleet badge and different stuff. Like he had been there and we, he like freaked out. His girlfriend was like, oh my God. But we had like a whole, <laughs> you know, oh my God, were you in a transporter accident? I just got here. I've been here for two years, you know, like a whole thing. And, you know, everybody else, of course, my friends, and like I said, his, everybody was like, we don't know these people, get away from us, you know, these weirdos. So, so you ran but, into uh, Scotty on an away mission. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was so funny. It was the one and only time I did it, though, because, like, it was fun, but, yeah, a lot of people stared. Get some looks. It, it, was, it was really awkward, but I had a lot of fun that day, but I was like, I, I don't know that I can do that again <laughs> without, like, a larger group of us all doing it together. If, if you're going to go down, go down all together. Yeah, right. Like, at least, like, maybe, like, four to five people. Like, a nice buffer. <laughs> well, and you always have to worry, because if if you're playing true to, to character in, in Renaissance Festival, uh, or Renaissance Fair, uh, they might burn you at the stake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or take his, uh, don't they have the, the Tower of Torture, whatever they have, the, oh, yeah. uh, the stockade thing mm-hmm. that you can get put in the stocks? <laughs> Yeah, I have done that before, but I I did notice um, that girl saying that, and I just laughed because I immediately thought of when I did that and all the weird stares that I got. <laughs> but uh, no, it was interesting. I again, I'm like really liking the music in these. Yes. I like that we heard um, "Holding Out for a Hero," but I feel like I've heard that like three or four times this week in different media yeah, forms. I can't of media. say that. Um, well, there was like the He-Man, Master of the Universe, whatever cartoon thing. Oh, I didn't watch that. I didn't watch that trailer. And the trailer for the Guardians of the Galaxy um, video oh, game. Oh, video game. Yes, yeah, it's, it's in there too. So I was like, I've heard this like <laughs> several times this week. This but the song. best, the best iteration is that song cut to uh, Rise of Skywalker when uh, Ben is uh, trying to go after and save Rey. Um, because it's timed so perfectly and hilarious that I have to recommend if you find it on YouTube, check that out. Watch that? (laughs) Because I don't think I've seen that. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. So one of my things that I noticed, like, uh, especially on the second watch, the first watch I didn't notice that, um, 
we'll just go, like we said, spoilers, oh, that yeah, Lady yeah. Loki um, was in there. I thought that she, like, touched C-20 and then was, like, in the, I didn't realize she was still actively, like, stabbing people. I thought it was still the controlled C-20, but I realized that they're both in there. But I was like, why didn't she have um, the Minuteman C-20 just use her stick to prune people? Why, why like, pick up the jousting you know, Lance, why bother with any of that? Why not just, she has, I don't know what they're calling it, but the stick, the pruning mm. stick, and why not just hit them and kill them? Um, Yeah, that's a very good question. I'd have to say probably because like with our our, very, our regular variant Loki or, 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 you know, Loki as we kind of know him, uh, sticks to kind of the knives and stuff. So maybe it's a thing of like, not wanting to use that advanced technology because um, there there seems to be there, there seems to be a distinct difference between how fem loki and loki interact with the world or how they have their own ways of thinking yeah um so i have to think that there is some maybe we're reading too much into it, but some type of motivation or some type of type of rationale, because if she wouldn't want to use the tech, then why collect all of the reset charges? So, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of wondering if maybe it's an an inducing fear thing too. Like she's showing, like if I leave behind bodies when they come, then, you know, here's these, look, I've killed like four or five more of you. Right. Right. Yeah, because when when they get there later in the episode, you know, all they do is they find the bodies and then they also see that, you know, C20 is missing. Yeah. So, like, it's to send an obvious message. Yeah. Um, I like that we have the little mission briefing that there, they, she mentioned there, it was her or um, Mobius. And oh, I, the other Minuteman that we've been talking about, she is B15. Okay. Because I was getting myself so confused. She's B15. That's the. The bigger black lady. <laughs> yes, the one I, I yes. don't really care for. <laughs> okay. She's B-15 and then Mobius. But they're saying that there are almost more Loki variants than any other kind of variant, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And it, it makes sense, too, when you think about yeah. a character such as Loki and one who wants to cause mischief and, and, and create chaos uh, it would make sense that he would be the one that would cause the most type of inconsistencies within the timeline. <laughs> right, and jumping around, just causing so many headaches. I, it's funny to me that they don't just, like, immediately he, he just want to... I mean, obviously B-15 does want to prune, prune him right. immediately, but, the, like, any variant thing that happens, it's like, oh, it was Loki again, you know, sort <laughs> of a thing. But, yeah, they... Like you said, they do the mission briefing. They go to the Renaissance Fair. I don't remember. Was the lady there and saw them again? I, I don't recall seeing her in the background. Uh, I can't say for sure. I'd have to go back and look in like greater detail. She might have been, but like it wasn't. Yeah. There was no engaging in conversation this time. Yeah, with them. And um, she, well, she. They go walk around. You know, take a look around. Loki's again trying to pull another one. With this cool uh, variant jacket. Yeah. (laughs) The thing about when they make those to like sell is I don't know that I would want like I like his jacket and I wouldn't mind the the thing on the The front, but I wouldn't want the big variant on the back. Why not? I just I don't I don't like that. You're 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 afraid that you'll end up on the variant of your own timeline and and the TVA (laughs) is going to get you. 
<laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what we're living in now. Do, 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 do. It's all simulation. It's all because we fired the Hadron Collider. <laughs> but, um... What was I... What is this note that I have? Oh, we skipped over when Loki was making fun of Little Miss Minutes there. Yes, you who know, is... Faulkner. And I didn't catch it, but I saw it in the credits. I didn't catch it, like, when hearing her speak. It is voiced by the great Tara Strong. Yes. Uh, who, you know, is Bubbles, has done Harley Quinn... Uh, just fantastic voice actress. Uh, and, and I love also just that little back and forth between them. Yeah. Like he's not paying attention. And so she's trying to get the message across, but then he gets like annoyed, like a, you know, she's like a fly and (laughs) she moves around when he tries to swat her. Yeah. And it's interesting too, when he's like, I, like I said, well, before we were recording, like they're asking, they're having characters ask questions that the audience is going to ask, like, is she recording or is she alive? And that's exactly what Loki asks her, and she's like, I'm kind of both. But I just, I like, I appreciate that they're doing that, because I feel like they're just kind of, like, getting stuff out of the way, as far as setting up the rules for how the show works. And like you uh, had also said uh, prior to recording, um, like, him asking, well, why don't we jump right to before the attack happens, and how his answer is like, well, we we can't because it destabilizes, right? And yeah. then, you know, we learn we learn about the concept of redlining. Like that's kind of what the whole point of the TVA is to prevent these branches from causing them to redline, which would cause like the destabilization of reality as we know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is very important to the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I I just again I appreciate that they're taking the time to like really set that up so like if you're watching and you're paying attention even if it takes like a couple watches that you're you're getting the information you need to understand how this is working and how they're explaining like how the universe works now that we know about the TVA right <laughs> right but yeah while they're there and he's doing his whole like wolf and sharp ears and whatever spiel i like that mobius was, is able to like figure him out you know yeah. like he studied his life <laughs> He considers it long enough that he's like, no, no, this isn't real. And he he's able to pick up on, like, nah, he's lying. He's stalling for time. Jerking our chain. Yeah, like, and he just knows. You know, where as far as, like, other characters kind of know, like, when he's playing the game or whatever. But I feel like, like, if I was going to pick out, like, of a character lineup, who's going to be able to, the like, lie detector Loki and know whether or not he's lying? I feel like Mobius is a good choice. Yes. Like, I'm confident in his ability to read Loki. Well, and I think um, because, one, you know, we, we've been given the information that Loki is the most, like, causes of variances. So, <laughs> and we also know that Mobius has studied those Loki variants. Mm-hmm. So, and even cons- this Loki, he has studied prior to even, like, having a conversation with them. So, he kind of knows the in- ins and outs, and he knows... What that's I mean, it's kind of like how he was able to manipulate him a little bit in episode one to kind of show him the reality of of what happens within his own timeline or what the timeline he broke off of uh, eventually leads to, which then makes him kind of want to try to fix things to a certain extent. Well, how still having that mischievousness uh, behind him. Right. So after we do all of that fun. (laughs) We go back to Owen Wilson in the judge's office. So her name is Ramona. Is that it? Uh, possibly. I do not even want to attempt to say the actress's real name because I'm afraid it starts, I would. 
I feel like it starts with an R, and I still haven't been able to catch it. I should have had my subtitles turned on, and I haven't had... Uh, Ravon... Ooh! Ooh! Oh, no. Why did you make me look that up? Well, because I was about to say, I feel like we're getting references to Kang. Yes. Yeah, I think... Yes. I feel like her, name, a lot of- her name is uh, Ravana, and Ravana is Kang's, like, woman. Okay, because when they're in there talking and she's like, you're not the only analyst that I have, I said, I was like, oh, is this other analyst Kang? Yeah, it's, you know, it's maybe, quite possible. Like, because I don't know if they're going to have him be like a timekeeper. He's created by the timekeeper. Is he created yet? In then you said there's like different versions of him and there's like a good guy and a bad guy. So like maybe like right now he's a good guy analyst and he's going to develop, you know, as things go on, if... if Plenty of things like maybe Redline, and this is his obsession with I've got to get the Sacred Timeline back. Sort of like we're getting like origin story light, sort of. Yeah, because it's it's interesting because um, he's making his appearance in Ant Man three, uh, yeah. like his his first appearance. So like I don't know how like big officially official, right? Uh, kind of like how we got the reverse for uh, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus's character in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't know if we'll if we'll get him in this, but now that I know her character name cuz I never really quite frankly caught it, but I know enough about that character within the comics to know she's going to have some type of direct tie to Kang. So we okay. could get the seeds planted within this, uh, especially if he ends up being kind of the next big Thanos bad guy mm-hmm. uh, for for the Avengers. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I kept thinking they were saying Ramona, so like I couldn't catch it, you know. And then it was another one of those. I'm afraid to Google. I don't want to <laughs> find out. But IMDb, I like, it's your friend. <laughs> but I did feel like we were doing um, a lot of references to Kang. I feel like we're definitely setting that up. So I'm wondering if it's going to be, if you've watched the shows, you'll have a lot more reference. But if you watch the movies, like the people who only watch the movies, will still have enough reference for the coming movies that right. Kang is coming. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're like, I don't know. You should watch the shows. <laughs> <laughs> Disney sponsor us. We'll right. I still have questions about the timekeepers, especially from that conversation when Mobius says that he's never met them. And I feel like he's kind of saying it with the like, I'm doubting they exist sort of tone. Yes. And that's, that's like that thing where, uh, I mean, it's, it's it's like it's they're planting that seed if it's if it's if it is the way that we think it's going to go where you know every time someone wants to actually meet with the timekeepers they're always told well no they're too busy dictating the timeline and dictating the end and uh, and all that stuff but what if they're gone like with whatever they did to maybe restore the timeline from the multiverse and everything ended up in them you know dying and Kang might end up becoming kind of the new timekeeper, or yeah. maybe he currently is. And I mean, we st- we just don't know what's behind the scenes. And that uh, Ravana is actually like covering for the fact that they're missing. Yeah, and I also I saw one like theory thing as I was scrolling through social media that thinks that the the center timekeeper that's always like directly behind her. They think that that might be Kang. Oh, okay. And so then I was wondering, well, if that is him, 
and maybe all this chaos that uh, Lady Loki, Fem Loki, she hasn't like picked a name, Randy has decided <laughs> to, uh, to do. Like maybe that's a uh, kills the other two timekeepers. He's the only one left. Again, precipitates him to become far right. more obsessive and, and evil and down this path of like the next big bad. Yeah, it's it's um, like this again. This is kind of what our criticism about Falcon and Winter Soldier was is it didn't feel like it was like setting or advancing anything for the MCU Um, that we, yeah, we got like a fun, a fun little show, but the impact of what happens within that show, other than Sam be like finally taking on the mantle of captain America, it doesn't feel like it has any greater impact on the MCU. Whereas WandaVision, Oh, oh sorry, but but I feel like the most disappointing part about that was that it felt like it had so much potential and yes. it didn't do it. Right. And yeah, with WandaVision, we got all the all you know, all the stuff that felt like it was going to tie into Doctor Strange too. Even the Nexus stuff being brought up there is now being referenced again here. Um and then having this idea from this show that it's it's set up the timekeepers, it's setting up uh potentially Kang. Uh, that it, whatever happens within this show is going to potentially have more impact on the Thor, on you know Thor uh, films, or even just the next Avengers film, or if they decided to multi-seasonal this 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 show, what kind of craziness we can go down with it, you know? Yeah. And so like Falcon and Winter Soldier had that potential, and it just wasted it. Whereas like I feel like WandaVision and Loki are capitalizing on it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So when Owen exits the Mobius exits the <laughs> office, we get that lovely little hallway scene, you know, like hallway to the elevator. Um, you know, when he calls him, you know, an ice runt, yes. <laughs> scared little boy. Because <laughs> it's interesting to be the different dynamics of how how well that Tom ha- plays Loki and has played Loki. Because, you know, at first he comes out, he kind of seems like, oh, I'm, like, desperate, you know. And then when they get to the elevator and he he snaps into that, like, you think that you can manipulate me. You know, and it's like a different kind of personality. He has the different facial expressions, which I'm like, those are fake for, on purpose, I know it. You know, but he plays him so well, all the different aspects, you know, of, of like, gaining trust and, and giving reactions that people are expecting like it's just so well, so well, good. And, and to build off what you're saying there, because I, I was just thinking the same thing is okay. We've seen him play Loki. We've seen mm-hmm. him in Thor, Thor, Dark World, uh, Thor, Ragnarok, uh, Infinity War, and Avengers, and he's played one Loki in the, within those films. A Loki that grows over time, becomes more compassionate, more humble, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But this Loki, he's playing completely different from and, and true to the variance-ness or variance of this Loki. He's still playing it in a way that Loki it, it's Loki growing but not growing at the same time. You know, he's he's manipulative or he's conniving, but he still now has a stronger um compassion level than than he had prior to that. So we're seeing Tom play the same character, but yeah. in a different way. Yeah. And and it, and it tells like you're not watching the same Loki from those films and, and mm-hmm. just getting that same performance. He's making it a little bit more wackier, a little bit zanier, uh, especially when we get to the lunch scene. Uh, 
and it's and it's refreshing because we we're we've grown so accustomed to his performance that it could get boring if we're just seeing him redo the same things again. Uh, and it's maybe also to kind of give them some credit for what they did by Infinity War by killing him off um, that now it gives him the opportunity to play Loki in a different way than he has. Yeah. So it, it, it's just really fun to see this kind of change in performance. Yeah, it's really great. And as they're going to the library there, just to point out, the visuals are still continually stunning to me. It's going on in the background. You just feel like we're going down to MIB, like <laughs> sort of like. <laughs> well, it's also reminiscent of, um, and I know you're you're not much of a gamer, um, but there's a video game called Control, which uh, is it, it kind of has this like FBI, but they deal with paranormal stuff type thing. And the design of how that base looks like is feels very reminiscent to how the TVA looks. So like I like seeing kind of these little similar designs because it, it makes sense uh, type of yeah. thing. It, what impresses me is how big it looks. You know, yes. like how just that that one when they're walking up to the library desk and Owen's telling him, you know, you're going to stand here and go through these files, depend like uh, pretend like your life depends on it. But <laughs> When you look at the background of how much larger that library is and how it feels like it goes on forever, and you get the same impression like when they're in the lunchroom, how it's like there's continually more and more and more tables and chairs each side when whenever they switch camera angles. Like it just goes right. on forever. Yeah, you get that uh, that real sense of depth and and uh, just even though you know it's like CG and it's computer all computer-generated uh, imagery – it, it it feels real and you f and you feel like there are people that are going around and doing their business uh outside of what we're seeing Owen and Tom do on screen. Right. And I love those table and chairs by the way. <laughs> the retro that... look just works really really well for this show. Yes. It works well for me too. I like it. I want some like a set of those. That'd be nice those tulip chairs and whatever kind of table that is. I like those. But no, we get him parked in there at the at the uh, library, and he's going through the files. At first, I thought maybe that person who shushed him might have been the other Loki, like because I didn't know like where did they go when they opened that door. Would they come like to the TVA and like infiltrate? Right. So I was like, oh, is that the other Loki like getting information or whatever, having like infiltrated? But I mean, nothing. Do you have any thoughts or like not not particularly, except that I knew that a shush was coming. But I, <laughs> I love because he doesn't really say anything in response, but his body language, his yeah. mannerisms, like how dare <laughs> you <face>. shush a <laughs> god? And I love his little shh back at her <laughs> or him or you know, whoever yeah. they are. Um, I think it was the lady. I thought it was a, a female, but, you know, it, it just it's because you don't get a good look at her that, yeah, you know, yeah. you can't quite tell. But also with this library scene that I also really like is him going up because he's thinking, again, he's got that conniving Lokiness to him. He's yeah. like, ooh, I can get more info on the timekeepers and the TVA and I can use that for my own nefarious purposes. And as he goes up and he's trying to talk to the librarian, she is acting like he's completely non-existent. 
And then as soon as he touches the bell, it's, how can I help you? Yeah. (laughs) That's so annoying. Did you... You ever when you're working retail and you're like not ready for the next customer yet, and there is like one of those please stand here until you're asked to come forward. So I worked in a retail bank, like inside of a grocery store, and we did have one of those like you're supposed to stand here until one of the tellers says I'm I'm available because we could be like be putting away money from the previous transaction or whatever. Drove me crazy when the next customer would just walk right up. Like, the saw a person leave, they just walk right up to me, it's like start slapping their stuff down. I'm like, I haven't like finished putting away you know the things from the other customer. I haven't said, you know, oh, you know, how can I help you? Right, yet? right. Like, that was one of my biggest pet peeves, especially like when I worked there and we would do very large deposits for the grocery store. You get the next person walking up. I'm like, um, hello, let me please put away this money first. You know? <laughs> so I, I understand her uh, reaction to I'm going to completely ignore you until I'm ready. <laughs> and you hit the button. <laughs> and they and they got it such like a, a perfect uh, woman to play this library. Because yes. like she looks stern and yeah. she looks like, uh, you know, I'm not going to deal with any rule breaker. So it's fantastic. I mean, if you could have gotten her on your side, what a person to have. The person who controlled the library to get all the files and things for you. Of course. Of course. So he ends up getting his own file after the whole, what files can I have? She gives him his own case file (laughs) that he can look at. And that's pretty much it. You can have the ones on the desk and you can have this one. And that's when we see the destruction of Asgard uh, paper. Right. And here, I don't know if it was, like, just him alone, if it's effects, or what. But that transition between him reading it, you know, and focus on his eyes, and then getting to the, like, the, what was it, like, total annihilation, or the number of deaths, and then the wetness in the eyes, like, he's gonna cry. Yeah. Like, I I said, I don't know if that was just, like, Tom being able to, like, let's make my eyes watery, or if that was, like, something they could help with, like, in post or whatever, like, make his eyes look watery. But that was phenomenal. And the I, music I have a there, feeling it was Tom. But the music there, too, was, like, yes. that was some phenomenal acting right there. Because it, it was also uh, kind of a throwback to the kind of the Asgardian themes uh, from, you know, from the score, from the Thor film. So, like, I, I think even more specifically Thor Ragnarok. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's just kind of reminiscent you're kind of reliving Ragnarok with him mm-hmm. uh and for someone who didn't have that foreknowledge that Asgard was going to be completely destroyed yeah and like you said too this is another spot where like he's getting more compassion or more empathy or emotion yeah like than he would have had especially when I'm trying to to reconcile in my mind that this was Avengers Loki that just got caught you know, versus how long has he been in the TVA? Well, time works differently here, you know, like, has it right. been, how many hours has it been? How many hours of propaganda of training with Miss Minutes did he have to <laughs> sit through, you know? Did you, did you even read the paperwork? And then he, like, <laughs> I love it. He's like, oh, I read some of it. And then, and then he actually, like, details, gives it back to Mobius, like, redlighting yeah. is going to cause the destabilization and all that stuff. And it's like, huh, yeah. he did read. <laughs> he did read some of it, you know, and he is smart. But, uh, you know, that whole part, I felt like was really moving and just really just amazing, subtle acting on his part. I was very impressed. 
And did you catch? It said Revengers in the bottom corner. Oh, I did not catch that. I've yeah. got to look so at that. That's fantastic. You, you gotta, you know, it's it's focused on the whole other stuff, but if you look at what it's not, like it's a little bit blurry, but it's more mm-hmm. in the bottom. It does say Revengers. That's fantastic. <laughs> like I didn't see the rest of what it said. I just saw the revenge part, like in quotes, and I was like, "Oh, the Revengers." <laughs> that's that is a great throwback. So here we come to what you were talking about—the wacky lunch scene. Yes. You know, and I feel like this is one of those that things that, like, when you think about Loki being mischievous, this is what you kind of think about him doing something silly, like I'm gonna take your lunch and be like just an annoying dick, you know, and ruin well, your that, salad. That's, that's kind of like the whole point is, is you know he's he's getting payback for kind of the, the crap that Mobius has talked about him. Yeah, so he's like, all right, I'm going to take your salad. And, yeah. and then o- o- Owen's performance here is fantastic too. Cause he's like, I'm just going to eat that. Like I want, yeah. I want that. And then he's like, <laughs> Oh, and, you know, here's the, here's this like salt. And then yeah. I'm going to start. He's like, no, not, not salt. And then, then he starts doing the pepper and he's like, oh, not the Don't pepper. Don't set fire to the palace. Yeah. <laughs> Don't set fire to the palace. <laughs> it was, it was beautiful. It's just a, like the biggest highlight of this show or biggest selling point on this show for me is their dynamic and their ability yeah. to play off of each other. Yeah. It's so great. And then Casey is there with his like juice box. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not too thrilled. Like, it's you. <laughs> he's, oh, yeah, he just kind of recoils from him a little bit. But uh, yeah, he explains, yes, that the other Loki would be hiding in an apocaly- apocalypses? Apocalypse? Yeah. Apocalypse? Or apoc- yeah, I was like, what's the plural of apocalypse? Is it just apocalypse? Or apocalypse? Uh, ellipsis? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But hiding in end of the world, imminent disaster, everyone's going to die because it won't cause any variant energy. There won't be any um, branches. Because it it's still ending the way it was supposed to end. Exa- yeah, everything's still, like, everything's still supposed to die. Everything still does die. It, it kind of, uh, it's like they took a little bit from Doctor Who because there are those, like, fixed points in time that the doctor can't like Pompey was one of those big ones where like he does make a little bit of a change but again it was like well what what impact will one family have if I save them but like this event no matter what has to happen otherwise nothing happens right and so I I kind of like that they're they're taking a little page out of that book and saying that there are these points in time that have to happen this specific way for time to play out the way it needs to play out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just taking no, a look fine. at my notes again. I was just to make sure where we're in. I have, yeah, messes up the salad, LOL, <laughs> on my notes. <laughs> but then we get to the, the, I think you said it's the, the clip at the beginning, the you're going to stab me in the back. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I would never stab anyone in the back. And he's like, I've I've studied you. You have like literally stabbed people in the back fifty times. <laughs> I, I love. I don't know if it's part of the performance or if Owen was really laughing. But when he, because Tom's like, I'll never do it again. And, you know, he's laughing. And again, I don't know if that's supposed to be him laughing or if that was just like, let's work it into the performance because right. it was too funny. It was, it's, again, it just goes back to that testament of how well they play off of each other. And, yeah. and also just, like, Owen Wilson's charm in general and about yeah. anything he's in. I remember um, watching the, the Haunting 
um, 90s film with Liam Neeson and and him being in it. And spoiler for that film, but like when he died, I was like, no, the most like likable <laughs> character in this film is dead. <laughs> like, Come on. So they go to Pompeii to test oh, it. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even really thinking about that, but yeah. Well, I had two thoughts about that scene of things like not not uh, relevant to the show, but just things that um, popped in my mind was, wasn't he in the Pompeii model in Night at the Museum with the Roman guy? Oh. And they had to, the monkey save yes. them by peeing on them. Yes. He sees the cowboy, and I believe Steve Coogan plays the, uh, the Roman. Uh, yeah. The Roman officer. Yeah, so they end up in that Pompeii display. Yes, yes. And I just thought, I oh, isn't that funny? Rewind. Owen's back in Pompeii. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, while, of course, you know, Loki's testing it, he releases all the goats and all that, tells people oh, we're from the future, just to make sure that there actually isn't... And I love it that he's doing it in Latin, too. Oh, so, yeah. like, they know what he's saying. <laughs> and, like, well, and Owen's I feel just like, oh, my God. That feels like... Oh, that is a language that Loki would know. Like, it makes sense to me that that's a language he would know. Whereas, yeah. like, when he was in Mongolia, he didn't know. Like, I guess I assume that he didn't know the language to speak to them because he looked a little bit confused when they looked confused. But it's like, oh, he's speaking Latin. That makes sense to me. He would know. He's like 1500 whatever years old. He would right. know Latin. But when they're testing it and, and the, um, the volcano erupts. I felt like there was like Iron Man vibes with the scene with the oh, dust yes. coming up. The Jericho. Because, yeah, because we've just started doing our rewatch. I was like, that like looks like that scene in Iron Man when Tony's like raising his arms or whatever, you know, and it's coming up. So the the dust from the the gas explosion from the the volcanoes coming up behind them, it just kind of looks like that scene a little bit. Now, what I think would have made the this bit like a little bit funnier, even though it was it was pretty much perfect, is. <laughs> Because he's like he's standing there completely back to the volcano, back to all the rushing, you know, dust and debris of like for him to just like maybe turn around and be like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, and like start running back to, to Mobius. But it's all right. It played out. It played out well enough anyway. Yeah, that was great. My little horned friends and yeah. have your last meal. There are no consequences. It was right. really great. So they're like, aha, it does work. We got to go back to the library to research natural disasters. It's like, look how much of work is just research. Yeah. You're just looking up. <laughs> got to get back into the library, go to the card catalog, pick out the encyclopedia. Which is actually probably um, an it's an interesting aspect to, not that this is a crime procedural, but to a procedural type uh film because most like if you or show uh because like when you get the most like like law and order and stuff like that it just goes from beat to beat to beat with some like little oh we found this on his record or something like that but like they're digging and, and doing like they're showing what the tva has to do to yeah. then find these points or or go after these things and i i really like that um that aspect to the show yeah I do like it. I like that library too. Yeah. I just I feel like that like a painting of the background of how it just kind of goes on forever would be like an interesting background to have on my computer. Sure you can get a screen cap. Uh, you know, eventually I'm sure somebody will make one and <laughs> will I remember it by then? Who knows? We'll see. But you're not you're not 90 yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> they get exhausted. 
Loki, of course, falls asleep. I'm sure he was letting um, Mobius do the majority of the work. Oh, yeah, of course. They decide, let's take a break, you know, refresher, get your mind off it, but it's still working the problem in the background sort of a thing. And they go back to that lunchroom, cafeteria, commissary, whatever you want to call it. And they have another another nice, like, kind of getting to know each other and kind of getting into each other's psyche sort of a scene. The jet skis? Yeah, they're talking about the jet skis form and function have you ever been on one no but it would be really fun yeah <laughs> and not not any jet ski like a 90s jet, jet ski. ski yeah yeah that would be his perfect jet ski but then they're kind of having that conversation about like so who created you the tva you know you believe in all of this that we're going to be at, at peace at all at the end of time it, it'll just all be peace and no chaos and it cut it just it does sound like this is a religious cult sort of a right. thing you know, but it is it is interesting that he's like, well, you're, you know, Loki of Asgard, you know, and stuff. People worship you like a god. It's not this. It's different, but it's not the same. Yeah, and when like, like also, it's similar, he, gets, it's- he gets deeper into the psychology of it because like, like Loki's like, well, how can you believe in these grand old timekeepers if you never see them? And yeah, well, they created me for this purpose. Well, how did you know? Why would they do that or you know something like that? And then he turns it around on him. Well okay, who created you? And then it's like Odin. Well, but then it gets that kind of grander uh, scale thing of like, well, then who created Odin and all that type of thing. Yeah, it was just interesting. But I also think it's another, at this point is when I jotted down this other note where I put black and white, which different different scenes that we've seen of the TVA people already, like especially like B-15, they think in things so strictly and so black and white that... Even when um, Mobius was talking to R- Ravana mm-hmm. uh, the first time, and he's like, maybe he can change, can things change? And she's like, not unless the timekeepers dictate it so. You know, that these people are living in a very black and white mindset of it's either part of the rules or it's not. Where I feel like Mobius is a little more nuanced than that. It's probably why he kind of, she's like, you kind of are stubborn or hard-headed, you know, it sounds like somebody else I know sort of a thing. Like, well, and I'm, it mirrors the complexity of the real world. Like yeah. right now, kind of we've we have found ourselves in a society and in a world of where you're either this or you're that. When reality is, it's a little bit more complicated. And yeah. I things like that always, difference. Yeah, things are always a little more complicated than what you think because I feel like like level one is thinking like oh, well, if you like apples, then you hate oranges, you know, sort of a thing. And then level two is kind of like realizing that there's difference. I mean, that's a really stupid, simple example. But it's, like you said, kind of like if you're not for this, then you're automatically against that, I feel like is like the elementary school version of understanding the world. Right. And and you've got to go through the middle school, the high school, the college level to really – like realize that out in the world things are a lot more gray, things are a lot more complicated, like compromises have to be made in different places and you know, it's never just as simple as yes or no, one or zero. Right. In in large grand scale complicated things. It's kind of uh going to you know, you and I have been having these discussions off air, uh about these people that uh have kind of contributed to that mentality especially when it comes to pop culture or or media entertainment where 
you know, there, there's one side that's pushing for these specific sets of things and they're kind of like overdoing it to the extent where it feels like they're shoving it down my throat. And then now there seems to be this uh, conglomeration of people who made an audience by standing up and saying, hey, we want better storytelling. Like we want characters to er- like earn it and, and, and be more interesting rather than a person's personal agendas dictating the story. Mm-hmm. And now they've gone so far to their thing where Loki can't be a good show because it doesn't do what they specifically wanted Loki to do, or they introduce the concept of them Loki. And, uh, that, that doesn't fit within their standards. And so now you have these two sides warring and it's like us here in the middle where we're like, (laughs) we can see it both ways, but like all we really want is good storytelling. And, it's fine if characters are, are whatever, as long as they're, as long as it works with the story and it's not being forced. And I, I just, that's where I like to think, at least with the, the idea of the podcast and everything is we're trying to take that more nuanced approach. A film is not simply good and it's not simply bad. There, there's a conglomeration of different uh, factors that are good. There are different factors that are bad. And then based off of our own independent tastes, whether or not we like it or not. And because right. I know I'm going to get to a point here because we're getting close to the end <laughs> of the episode that I'm going to probably be one of the few people who is who's not going to be as receptive. But I have particular reasons outside of of what um, it being one simple thing. So okay. sorry, I derailed <laughs> no, us there for no, a little no, bit. No, you're, you're fine. I feel like I've like I have all these random things I wrote down that I thought of while I was watching it. So I feel like I'm the one extending it out this time. <laughs> no, you're fine. But yeah, we get Loki goes deep with no one bad's ever truly. When he says truly bad, I think he's talking about like nobody bad is ever like a hundred percent bad. Nobody good is ever a hundred percent good. Right. Yeah, sort of a thing. I actually I really like that because. I mean, I don't know if you, whatever beliefs that anyone may hold, spiritual, religious, n- non-existent, otherwise, I do kind of really feel like like you you can't say that anybody on this earth is perfect who's never had like a, a bad thought, you know, or anything right. like that to ever be completely one hundred percent a good person. Well, you just think about the character of Loki in general because. All we saw him as, and within you know, from from Thor to Avengers to Thor: Dark World, is he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But then we learned by definitely by Thor Ragnarok, he's more complex than that. Yeah, and he does have instances where he can be good, and he does have this struggle with his identity about whether he's the bad guy or whether he's the anti-hero uh, yeah, type Am of I character. only here so that Thor can be lifted up as the hero sort of Exactly. Like. And and I think that this conversation is going to have an impact with the timekeepers because we're being presented this image that they, they are these benevolent beings who are just looking out for the, you know, the greater universe and everything like that. But maybe there's ulterior motives to, behind why they want the timeline to play this specific way yeah yeah so that's when um owen thinks about the candy again we get a nice little joke about don't you have candy on asgard <laughs> he's like no grapes and nuts <laughs> yeah and i'm like bleh, bleh. <laughs> grapes and nuts the only candy you have no thank you so we get the new mission 
They yeah. figured out we're going to um, Alabama in a hurricane. Haven Hill rocks cart like rocks rocks. The it, it's I would say when, yeah, it's a it's like a, a an offshoot of rocks uh, rocks corp or a rock yeah. song. I, I like it kind of remember uh, remembered it kind of reminded me because I remembered when I saw it. It kind of reminded me of Superstore, just kind of just uh, a, a funny you know, or like when you watch um, Chuck and there's like Large Mart or or Big Mart or something or whatever they're like how all the signage is very generic like here are the DVDs you know like versus the kind of signs that we see I don't know yeah. I just thought it was funny. And it amused me. So we're in, <laughs> we're in Haven Hills. And uh, is that a real place? Like, uh, sorry, Haven Hills, if it is, like, you're going to die in 2050, apparently, in a hurricane. <laughs> uh, maybe move now. Also, all the other ecological disasters they listed off. Like, let's oh, yeah. maybe start protecting the swallow. <laughs> <laughs> the poor swallow. <laughs> So hopefully none of that comes to pass, but we got our mission approved. I like that he used his magic to dry his clothes and it freaked uh, B-15 out. Well, a, a little bit, a little bit before that, um, the fact that like Mobius actually trusts him oh. and gives him his knives and then Daggers. she immediately walks up and yeah. like, absolutely not, throws him <laughs> in her locker. <laughs> absolutely. He is not touching those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he, cause he said, I can handle him. You know, when they were trying to separate and she said, no, he comes with me. He's like, that's why I want him with me. Remember the time theater. Cause he got, right. he got the one up on you, you know, and, and did the time twister thing to her. But I mean, it kind of does make sense to me that she would want to split, you know, she wants to watch him herself. I mean, I kind of get that. She, it's understanding the procedural like thinking. Well, and, and they've developed a little bit of trust, and she has not developed that trust. She hasn't yeah. spent the time with him, and she sees him purely as a variant. Like, again, going between that um, black and white mentality versus the nuanced meta- mentality. And so she's convinced that this is just a scam for Loki to get away and yeah. run havoc. And yet, instead, they're actually there to try to, you know, catch the variant. Right. And she, I mean, she's the one who called him a cosmic mistake. Yes. <laughs> so she's not a really good person. <laughs> no, but the rest of them don't seem to be either, especially like when they're oh, going yeah. and searching the other one. I don't know his number, but he's just like, well, they're all going to die. And they seem to have a very callous attitude towards everyone. Yes. You know, even in the first episode, I don't know if that was the same guy, but he was the one who like was getting out that, that pruning stick when the little kid came up, you know, oh yeah, and and Mobius was the one who's like, it's just a kid, like they're not gonna hurt you, you know, calm down. <laughs> yeah, that was a very interesting, uh, interesting take on it because, like, you know, the one guy's asking, "Are you FEMA? Like, you know, can you get us out of here?" And then he's yeah. just like grabbing people and uh, jangling through their belongings There's and stuff, stuff and yeah. shove like, that guy. It's like, come on, like. I get you're you're fine, but these people are going to die, and let's not make it so bad for them. Right, right. Like, have a little bit of respect. Like, just a tiny bit, you know? <laughs> like, they're going to die anyway, like you said, but you don't have to, like, make it that much worse for them. Right. While you're beating through all their stuff. So, um, I don't know, do you want to split this into, like, let's split this into when we get Loki versus, um, so we'll go ahead and talk about, they find C20. Right. 
and she's saying uh, it was real, it was real, and something else. Um, what else? I don't. She said it's real, and then she said I I told them I told yeah, them, how to told find them the where to find it or how to find yeah yeah. Um, so she's revealed whatever big, but the problem I have with that, uh, and this is actually one that I just thought about, wasn't so much something I've been thinking about, is if she's a grunt. I mean, how does she I, know? I, yeah, because I would assume that these grunts, uh, and I'm not saying that to be disparaging or anything, but they are the foot soldiers for the TVA. Whereas, right. like, Mobius is more of a high-level, like, analyst but detective. Mm-hmm. Um, why would they be privy to knowledge that I would actually probably think only Ravana, since she's, like, the high judge? Yeah, would, would know. know. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll get that explained later on. But it was something that stuck with me, like... What about you specifically? Because we don't know you. You're probably a one-off character. Right. You're serving a purpose of of feeding the info to the bad guy. Uh, but why would you know that info in the first place? Yeah. And I'm wondering if they'll explain, too, that, like, maybe they all just know because they were created by them. Could be. Could be. Like, but they didn't give us, like you said, any explanation as to why. But even like, even Mobius even says like he's never seen them, he's never met with them. So like unless it's like a genetic or inherent memory, yeah. Um, like again, having access to that information seems dubious. Yeah, and especially I'm wondering when she keeps saying it was real, it was real. Like, what was real? Right. What were you shown? Like, what did this other Loki like tell you, take you to somewhere, or do something? Like, what was real? I need to know. Could be whatever the end of time is. Maybe, yeah, or how it's going to end up. And it's not going to be as, like, as Mobius was saying, so it was going to be great, harmony, peace, and instead it's chaos, destruction, pain, who knows? Or or maybe the creation of the sacred timeline. Yeah. Like, somehow, I don't know. Or like, the multiverse is still yeah, out there. Or the multiverse, yeah, is still there. I've wondered about that, too, because I'm still curious, how did we get this variant loki yeah where did they come from especially where was variant um big muscly loki <laughs> <laughs> god that we, we skipped over that i kind of forgot about that i loved seeing all the like little different uh different uh variant loki's what i thought would have been a little bit better is if they had made that like a hulk loki since he's like already big burly yeah you know like done something like that and kind of like throw back to you know him getting beat up from avengers and stuff yeah i think um, excuse me, maybe having like a kid Loki in there too would have yeah. been just kind of because what do you think off the top of your head? Like the most like in the comic books, do you think Loki, Lady Loki, Kid Loki? I feel like are the top three that kind of right. like roll off that may be like those. But that picture of like, is it Tom and he's like got some sort of trophy? Yeah, yeah. like is that for, like tennis or something? That's so that was funny. fantastic. That's hilarious. But yeah, so back to the scene, you know, they're, they find her, they're kind of, I, I don't think entirely realizing what's going on, but they cease like a reset charge. They're trying to find out where's B-15. You know, all this is going down while this is the part, like the 10%. Yeah. I feel like the, <laughs> the, you, you want to talk about, because we, um we get Loki doing that transfer, transference charm. Yeah. Through through B15, through Randy and through some redneck guy <laughs> because I don't think we get a name for no. him before we get the reveal that it is uh, Fem Loki. And of course like she hasn't said like 
I'm Loki or I'm Lady Loki or the only name that she's said that she prefers right now is Randy. So (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we should call her Randy until such time as we get another name. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this was like uh, because I I messaged you as soon as I finished the episode and I was like, I liked 90 percent of this episode. And the last 10% wasn't that I hated it, but I didn't quite know how I felt about it. Um, I like it's again, this is where uh, I said earlier, like it's not because it's a femme Loki that's being introduced because we talked about it in our first episode review. Uh, All the signs were there. They were pushing Mm -hmm. the gender fluid bit. Uh, You saw the, uh, the promotional image. Yeah. Um, And so like, it felt like the reveal was maybe a little um, ruined by kind of all of that. Lackluster. Uh, yeah, lackluster. I also think it might have been just a tad bit too early, but you have a very good counterpoint to that. Um, and I think that a lot of the dialogue from the like people that she uh, kind of uses that transference through before revealing herself was very stilted and uh, felt very unloki like uh, except for there, it is a little egotistical, which is, you know, on, on par for Loki. Um, and I think that maybe what would have made it work, it would have been given up the ghost a little bit because you would have been able to tell, obviously, their gender. Um, is if you had some of the dialogue coming out of the drones and then it's switching and you saw her still cloaked, you don't see her face or anything like that. But you you hear her saying something like the rest of the line of whatever the drone was saying, um, mm. because it could still have some mystery to it. Because like, yeah, we're told it's a variant Loki, but now we're be now we're hearing a female voice. And if you didn't push the gender fluid stuff and, and you know, all those images weren't out there, one might speculate, OK, maybe it's not a Loki. And then when you get the reveal of it's a femme Loki, that maybe it would be more impactful. And I felt like the impact of the reveal was really undercut by all the stuff that they were pushing outside of the show. And it just it, it just didn't feel as amazing as it could have been. Yeah, it uh, wasn't like, oh, it's, right. it's a lady Loki. Like, oh, it was a twist I didn't see coming. This is like a twist we saw coming. <laughs> From episode one. <laughs> right, because they had like red neon signs yeah, like, going like, and Loki. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it was just one of those things I felt like it just really undercut everything that had happened in the episode and left me just like, eh, like not not enough to like what Falcon and Winter Soldier did. But it is starting to sow like a little bit of concerns that they might not be able to keep up the momentum uh, with the next, uh, you know, four episodes. I would have saved the reveal for maybe mid episode three, um, just because like the way I I perceive a six episode um series or at least how i would write it and no one's hiring me to write so i know nothing um is i you know you you have your initial mystery and by the third episode that's your big reveal and then by you know the fourth fifth and sixth episode that's when you are resolving whatever that reveal is and i feel like that gives it ample time but i'm going to turn it over to you now because you have a great counterpoint to what i've just said yeah, I just kind of feel like the nature of this show, and like you said, all this promotional stuff they were doing at the beginning, I feel like they're kind of just getting 
getting some of the theorizing and things that like YouTubers and whatnot were going to be doing like out of the way early so that then they can rest and like let us enjoy the rest of the show. Like one of the things with Loki, I think even when it was first announced is YouTube's going crazy theorizing is, you know, is it this Loki? Is it kid Loki? Is it femme Loki? Is it, you know, this person or that person and, and really trying to figure out what's going on. And I think, I don't know if it would be that interesting to have the show, because I believe it's only six episodes, yes. to have the show be only six episodes, to have, is it is it or isn't it going to be a Finn Loki, be the twist that you wait for for six episodes, or, or how, many ever, how many ever episodes they would have made you wait before you get that reveal. I don't feel like it would be that interesting of a show, you know, to be like, this is the mystery. You know, like, if they had held the mystery of who's the variant, and it's going to be Loki, and held that till, like, beginning of episode four or end of episode three would it really be as impactful and as interesting to have six episodes like take three episodes to get there i feel like they're kind of just getting that stuff out of the way so that whatever it is they have in store for us fingers crossed is going to be really interesting and still really like you know draw you in and have an interesting story so i don't really care so much that they went ahead and gave it to us and then like we were talking before we start recording there are some YouTubers I follow that have, like, no comic book, no MCU, no nothing, you know. And I'm interested to see when they finally get to the shows if their reaction will have more impact to this episode because they won't have had all of this social media and, and everybody theorizing, you know, going on in the first place. And it might be more impactful to them and they might be more surprised. Right. Um, and so... You know, you, you said a point, and this is, I think, how I would have done it, because you, you made a... I, even though you were you were destroying my argument <laughs> very, very well, uh, it, it gave me an idea about maybe how I would have written it, because you know me, I, I said it in the first episode, like, I didn't like that they revealed that it was Loki, the, a Loki variant right away, and I think, like, maybe if you say, well, we got this variant that's running around killing people, and we need your help. Then you talk about the variant Lokis and how the highest, you know, number of variants are Loki, uh, and and you start giving Loki that suspicion, and Mobius confirms, "Hey, we're hunting a Loki variant." And then episode three, you reveal it's the female uh, Loki. Th maybe that, if they had orchestrated it that way, uh, it may have been fine to still let the story breathe, but they're continuing that mystery and keeping it interesting enough while still doing the character growth. But I also understand what you're saying, because we get this very interesting scene because we thought she'd only had like seven reset charges. Oh, yeah. She's got and, a lot, man. Yeah, she's got <laughs> tons of reset charges. They all go everywhere. Uh, and now... I want to get your theory on this or your thoughts on this too. Yeah, I have uh, so, questions about the reset things. Well, so the reset charges all go. You have the analysts going nuts at the TVA. They're like, we have no idea what's going on. Um, and the door is open and Loki is looking at the door and looking at Mobius and he chooses the door, which is, yeah. you know, Loki, it's the most expected action for Loki to do. But do you think Loki's doing it for malicious intent? Or do you think Loki is doing it uh, because he knows that they're not going to make it in time to make it through the door? That if he goes through, they might be able to track him 
and therefore then get her. I kind of felt like he was doing it in an attempt to try and learn more about her, gain her trust. Because, I, like, one thing that you trust about Loki is that he's in it for himself normally. Like, 100% of the time, normally. So my thought would be that he is, like, as, as he said to her, I'm gaining their trust. I think he's going to try and go through the door to follow her and maybe try and do the same thing to her. But he's still in it for himself. Okay. And again, like in the hallway scene when uh, Mobius said, like, this Loki's better than you, you know, and I thought that would drive you to try and and uh, figure out the killer. And when they're talking, you know, she was like, oh, here I was worried they got somebody better than me. And it's just like you. So there's there's those jabs at his ego at his need for that validation. So I kind of feel like he's, you know, the most uh what did how did Mobius say it like a double cross from the most reliable liar oh, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like he's he's gonna do like a double cross that might probably benefit the TVA but might not we'll see you know but I still feel like he he was going through in order to like ingratiate himself to like gain her trust so I'm uh I'm actually of the different different opinion i i actually think that he saw this as the only opportunity because they would not know which next apocalypse she was going to go and if they have a means of tracking him this was the best option because he could make it through the door and you know whatever pursue whatever he needs to pursue with her but mm-hmm. also give them a lifeline to finding to, out because to find him because we don't know what impact these reset charges are going yeah. to cause. So I had, I was confused a little bit about the reset charges. Uh, like two things. Number one, my initial thought when they were, um, you know, going through the little time doors that she had create under, under each of them. My initial thought was that she was bombing the TVA. Like she mm-hmm. was deleting the TVA in its entirety. That's what I thought. But then we see that they're going to places in the timeline and I'm kind of confused because if they're deleting things, is she like deleting things they fixed and therefore it's creating the branch to like allow it to happen? Like I'm, if the reset charge is deleting everything in a radius, how is like everybody and everything not dead? You know, sort of right. like, like I'm confused how, how that works, what's happening there. But we see it's universe wide. I mean, there's, uh, I think it's a Sakar. Oh, I didn't even catch people, that. Well, it's on Ravana's screen. Okay. It, when Ravana's screen, and it, they're going by real fast, just like lists of cities. I, I saw Sakar, and I think, of course, they listed different places in um, in the U.S. And I think I saw Boromir. So this is like going on everywhere. But I'm confused as to how, like, the, the timeline isn't dead. Like, everybody and everyone isn't dead if that deletes things within a radius. So I would say, uh, one, we'll probably figure that out next episode. Yeah, I uh, hope so. Two, I think because um, because it's creating the branches, so those branches are being created off as divergent timelines and realities, that the main timeline is not impacted, per se. It's happening the way it always has happened. But once those uh, divergent timelines hit the red line, that's what causes the destruction of the, the grand timeline. So, so if if we're in, I'm just trying to wrap my head around mm-hmm. this. If we're in the main timeline, the sacred timeline, and a reset charge drops in, and like let's say it only drops it in my house and it kills me, 
So you're still in a timeline, in the main timeline, where we're both still alive, but there's now a divergent branch where you just watch me die and disintegrate. Yes. Via yes. Skype. <laughs> yes. Uh, folks, we'll have to get back yeah. to you. My co-host was just evaporated in front just of me. Just disintegrating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess that kind of makes more sense to me now, because I was, like, super confused. I was like, isn't everything dead now? Because it deletes well, things. And if you think about with uh, Banner and the Ancient One talking about Endgame, where she was talking about, well, if you take the stones from these points, you're going to create all these branches in the timeline. And his whole thing was, well, if we return them back to the points that we initially took them, the timeline remains intact. So, like, they were never really gone. Uh, so it's, I think it's kind of similar to that, is it's hitting these points in time that then create those branching timelines where you were disintegrated in front of my eyes and... and <laughs> this timeline where we're continuing the conversation. And then once that divergent timeline becomes whatever it is, mass chaos, because Leslie was deleted from the universe, <laughs> um, then uh, that's what causes that kind of destabilization. And especially when you have how many ever charges she set, that's, I think like what, a lot. I think it looked like more than 50. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was a high number because I've, my guess is she sets one off. That's an easy fix for them. But now she set multiple, and it accelerated the the quickness to redlining. Right, so. and and when they were at the Renaissance Festival, the guy who was asking him, "Well, what do these do?" He had like multiple reset charges. Yeah. So he didn't just have the one. So if if everybody has like three or four in a group that she's hit, like she's got a ton of those. Right. Right. So. Uh, yeah, it definitely has me intrigued for next week's episode, or well, rather, by the time this episode releases, Wednesday's episode, um, <laughs> right. because Disney Plus has decided to make the grand old decision to start releasing everything on Wednesdays, which, huh, not a fan <laughs> of, rather it be Friday, but uh, yeah, I think that's 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 pretty much where the episode ends, we've got introduction to Femme Loki, uh, and then we've got Loki running through the door, and probably Mobius thinking, I've just been betrayed by the most obvious betrayer. Well, I, I don't know, because his character seems like he might try and spin it to everybody else, like, no, we can track him, man, you know? like. Well, and that's why I'm thinking, and, and like... And everybody else will be the, this is a cosmic mistake, you're gonna prune him on sight, you know? Well, that's why I'm, I'm thinking, like, he knows it looks like he's betraying Mobius, but he's doing it to ultimately help the TVA. That, that's where my thought, like, again, with this Loki, we don't quite know because he's still, you know, yeah. pre-Thor Ragnarok Loki. Yeah, so. that's why I still feel like he's still got that underlying, I'm in it for me, like, like um, thought process. I don't know that he's... I wouldn't say he's moved to where he's genuinely, I'm going to help the TVA out of like the goodness of my heart, the altruistic, you know, thoughts of my heart. I still think he is in eventually this is going to work out for me somehow. And I'm going to get something from this. Right. Right. Well, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm trying to think, did I, I'm looking at my chicken scratch to see if there's like anything else that I have on this little, little note i don't think there is anything else i'm looking forward to more i'm really liking this show so far so good our r.i.p uh mobius's salad <laughs> justice for the salad uh all right so let's get in the scores here uh do you want to do honors or do you want me to uh, lead off um i'm feeling like 
four and a half. That's how I'm feeling. Uh, I'm coming in right at a four. Uh, I, I kind of want to knock it a little bit more, but I don't want it to be solely impacted because of my dissatisfaction with the review. Um, just like that. Yeah, because I feel like because we were in inundated with knowledge and theories and everything that's happening, that no matter what, for us, that scene probably wasn't going to be as impactful as it could have been to right. someone going in clean. Yeah, I, I, it was just, it was pushed too much. I think they did a disservice to themselves and how that that could have been revealed or how it could have been handled better. Uh, so I don't want to knock the episode too much because I did thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just felt like the reveal. I also don't like she's blonde because it just. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> not for like any particular reasons. I don't hate blondes, you know, or anything like that. It's just like I felt like if it's a female Loki, she should still have dark hair. Um, well, but, yeah, because it's like, look how much Hela and Loki kind of look alike in the MCU. Right, right. So it, it just because uh, she is like either a multiverse variant or or something that she would still have some same characteristics outside of costume choice. But, uh, you know, that would that would make you think she's a Loki. Yeah, I like the small horn helmet. Yeah, I don't I don't hate yeah. that at all. Or, or um, headpiece or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, the hair, the hair kind of bothered me, uh, and just the, just the overall reveal, the dialogue from the drones just didn't work. Uh, but everything else I really enjoyed. And like you said, I'm, I'm still interested. I don't think it's going to have the same slump that Falcon and Winter Soldier had. Yeah. But I mean, we won't know until we get there. So, (laughs) all right, well. That does it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys for for listening to the episode. Uh, if you want to follow us uh, on social media, you can follow the podcast at Critics NT Cynics on Twitter and Critics Not Cynics Podcast on Facebook. Uh, write into the podcast at criticsnotcynics at gmail.com. If you're watching Loki, uh, tell us what you thought of the episode or what you think of the series or just in general what you think of the MCU shows. Are they working for you? Are they not working for you? I think right now we're we're probably it's a little early to say but i think two for three um and uh also you can follow uh subscribe or follow to the podcast on whatever podcasting service you use itunes podbean spotify audible amazon music google play literally about everywhere where you can get your podcasts uh and leave us a rate and review on whatever service uh you use and uh we will talk to you next time